Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. The last couple of weeks, we've started off in the Old Testament looking at the person of David, but today I'm going to ask you to turn to the New Testament and pull up the book of Luke going to chapter 22. We're going to start in Luke chapter 22, looking at what may be a familiar, another familiar character or person from scripture. We're going to look at part of the story of Peter. Peter who would become the apostle, Peter who became a disciple, Peter who started off as just a fisherman wondering what his life was going to be around, Peter who is often mentioned in scripture because he is not a silent member of the disciples. Let's look at Luke chapter 22 starting in verse 54 and it reads like this, it says, and then they seized him. And they led him away, being Jesus, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. I want to settle on that word distance for just a second and tell you, you should be mindful of how closely or how distantly you are following after Jesus. It's not wise to follow Jesus from a distance. While Peter was still a follower of Jesus, he still made sure to keep an eye on the person he was following. And he still would have been counted among those who followed Jesus. And he still would have called himself a Christian. He certainly would have marked X on the survey next to Christian, a believer and a follower in Jesus. The closeness with which he followed Jesus had found some gap. The closeness with which he followed Jesus just hours before suddenly could not be described as the way he was following Jesus now. Now it says he followed Jesus at a distance. And my question for you this morning is if someone was recounting the way that you followed Jesus this past week, would they recount that you had followed him closely or would they recount that you followed him at a distance? Because the distance that Peter allows to come into his relationship and into his following of Jesus is getting ready to be just the gap that the enemy needs to slide in and wreak havoc inside of Peter's life and his soul and his identity and his belief about his value and his worth. The closer you follow Jesus, the less distance there is and the less distance there is, the less of a gap there is for the enemy to slide in and begin to create turmoil and temptation and havoc inside your soul. It says that Peter followed him at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him said, this man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly, this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. 
But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I don't know if you have ever wept bitterly before. If you have ever found yourself in a moment in your life where the reality of where you are and the reality of what you have just been through causes you to weep bitterly. It's one thing to weep, but if you've ever wept bitterly, a bitter weeping comes up from the inside depths of who you are. It seems like it pulls all the way from your gut through your whole body. I see heads nodding because there are times in your life when simply saying, I cried about it all night, doesn't begin to describe. Peter has done the exact thing that he said he would never do. Peter has denied Jesus and he has denied him three times, which is the picture of a perfect witness of denial. It is a total denial of everything he has been doing over the last years of his life. Peter finds himself in this moment that Jesus told him, Peter, this is what you're going to do. And he said, certainly not me. I don't know if you have ever found yourself in the moment that there was no way that you could have been told you would ever find yourself in. I will never be the person who does that and I will never be the person who comes to that moment Jesus of all the people who might walk away from you Peter said I will never deny you I will never walk away from you and not hours later Peter finds himself in that exact position and it says he wept bitterly because Peter found out there was something in him that he didn't know was there and it caused him to weep bitterly. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrificial life and I thank you that you are in this room today. I thank you that the things that we don't see in ourselves, that you see them and that you reveal them to us to heal them in us. I thank you that you are a restoring and a redeeming God. And I ask you to speak through me today, God. And I ask you that the words that you would speak through me would bring us life and would bring us power, would bring us hope, would bring us restoration and would make our tomorrow better than our yesterday. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, church. So several years ago, Phil and I like to do lots of outdoorsy stuff, and we were doing some of this outdoorsy stuff. We were on a hike somewhere, I don't remember where, with my brother and sister-in-law, and our oldest son was about like a year old. We only had one kid there, and we thought we were, you know, just living the free parent life, going out on hikes, and it was awesome. And it was this beautiful trek, and I remember us trekking through, and we were having the most amazing day, looking at all the foliage, and looking at all the wonder of God's great creation and there were amazing like waterways all throughout it and we came to this one opening that had this great overlook where it kind of just stepped out it was only big enough for about one or two people it was really sturdy and it had a nice big like um 
fencing around it so you felt nice and safe and secure. But when you walked out, it looked over this ledge all the way down into this gorge that had a beautiful waterfall coming down and you got to look down into the whole thing. It was absolutely majestic and it was more beautiful than I even have words really to describe. And we were standing there looking in the wonder of all of the serenity of creation. And my brother-in-law, who had been carrying our son, walks out onto the edge and he starts looking at it and it's wonderful. And all of a sudden I turn around and I see him standing out there on that wonderfully constructed overlook. And I feel a panic start raising on the inside of me. Like, I don't know why on earth he would be out on that ledge with my son in his arms. And I don't know if you've ever been panicking, but been trying to control and contain, like you're losing it, but you're trying to maintain it. And so I'm trying to be real, like calm. And I'm like, hey, okay, so we've probably, we've probably seen that now, yeah? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, yep, it's probably, yeah, it's, maybe we should head. And I'm trying all of the, and you know how you can feel until finally, I'm like, Mike, I need you to come back in right now. Get off the ledge, come in. Absolutely lose it. Complete panic. And he's like, whoa, what's going on? I'm like, it's fine. It, it wasn't you actually, it was me. You're, very, you're a very responsible uncle. It's not about you, but I do not want him out there on that ledge. I didn't feel good about it anymore. I needed you to come inside. And all of a sudden I got so tickled because I had never experienced this feeling before in my entire life. But suddenly I was in a new situation and I was in a new environment and I was in a new moment. And I had a fear that I did not even know was there. Come up out of nowhere on the inside of me. And there is something about new environments and new moments that have a way of causing things that you didn't know were hanging out under the surface to come up on the inside of you. This is what Peter is experiencing right here. This is Peter. Peter, who has emerged among the disciples as the champion of the disciples. He is the leader of the crew. It has become clear over the last several years that time after time, Peter rises to the top and Peter emerges as chief among them. This is Peter who is filled with all confidence and Peter who is filled with all boldness. Peter who is ready for whatever is coming down the line. Peter who is ready to storm any situation. This is Peter who just days before has been the first one to say, I call you the Christ. And Jesus says to him, on you, I will build my church, Peter. He announces to everyone that Peter is going to be the leader of everything that is happening. Peter, who always has an answer. And Peter, who does not hesitate at anything. Peter, who is ready to step into every situation. He's the kid in class who raises his hand to volunteer for absolutely every activity before he even knows what it is. Peter's like, yeah, I'm your guy, Jesus. I'm the one. Send me in, coach. I'm ready for this game. This is who Peter is. This is Peter who walked on water. 
Peter, who were they were in the boat and they were crossing the sea and the storm started raging and Jesus walks out to meet them. And while everyone else is panicking in the midst of the storm and while everyone else is trying to put the pieces together of what is actually going on here, Peter says, I know how to figure out if it's Jesus or not. If it's you, tell me to come walk out. That'll do it. And Jesus says, all right then. And Peter does it. Peter steps out of a boat in the middle of a storm and walks on the water. This is Peter. Peter is not a fearful guy. Peter is not a timid guy. Peter doesn't shrink back at what's standing in front of him. And Peter doesn't hesitate when action needs to be taken. Peter is not a person that walks around wondering what the next step should be or concerned about everything that's going. This is not who Peter is. But Peter, all of a sudden, finds himself no longer standing in a boat getting ready to step out on the water Because standing in a boat and stepping out on the water is one kind of faith. And a lot of us are ready for water walking moments. We want the grand, big, extravagant demonstration of who God is. We want the extra step, the extra mile, the flashy, God, I'll move to the other side of the world for you. God, cause me to stand up and proclaim who you are in front of others. God, I'm ready. Peter's like, God, I'll die for you, Jesus, if that's what it takes. He's always like, let me walk on water, Jesus, and let me die for you. I'll take everything down. I'll cut that Roman guard down for you, Jesus. I'm your guy. I'm Peter. And Jesus is like, that's all right. I need you to be consistent. I know you'll do the big extravagant things, Peter. I know you'll show up on the wild day. I want to know, can you be steady as well? Because I'm calling you to lead something. Because I'm calling other people to count on you and to depend on you, Peter. And I don't need to know if you know how to step out of a boat anymore. I need to know Is your character consistent under the pressure or are you going to crack? Peter, I need to know who you are all the way on the inside. And so many of us are just like Peter. We have a grand proposal that we want to send out to our employee and say, look at this thing I can do. And they're like, that's amazing. What I would like to know is have your administrative tasks been up to date for more than two weeks in a row? Have you been consistent in the regular every day? You want to do grand romantic gestures for your spouse and you want to come home with flour and with cake and with amazing gifts. And they're like, this is super cool. But what I would love is for you to come home at the same time every day like you told me you would. Your life is not built up of the grand gestures of the water walking moments. Those are few and far between. Your life is made up of who you are in the in-between moments of water walking. And what will determine what happens 
after you walk on water, what will determine what happens, Peter, after you stand up and proclaim me in the city is what you can do in between those moments. What Jesus is trying to find out and what Jesus is trying to point out to Peter is while the external part of Peter's world is doing just fine, the external part of who Peter is is strong and the external part of who Peter is is ready. Peter's like, I'm ready for this thing, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're not as ready as you think you are, Peter. And what I would submit to you today is that perhaps the thing that you keep saying to God, God, why haven't you delivered it yet? God, why haven't you showed up yet? God, you've spoken to me that I'm going to be the one. Peter knows by this point that he is going to be the one to lead the church. And he is standing there going, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for everything that you ask of me. And Jesus has to walk him through one more scenario to point out to him that there is a fear that he does not know that he has on the inside of him. There is something on the inside of Peter that is still getting ready to crack under the pressure. And Jesus is trying to show him and trying to walk him through a moment that demonstrates to him that the person that you are is still not yet prepared for the thing that I have for you. That the inner you has to be as ready as the outer you is for the place and the position that I'm trying to promote you too, Peter. Peter, if I take you to that place right now, you're not going to make it. Peter, if I take you to the things that I see for you, I'm telling you, you're not going to last. If I promote you too quickly, Peter, the inside of you will not stand up to the pressure of everything that you're going to stand before and everyone that you're going to walk in front of and every trial that you're going to endure if the inside of you does not match up with the outside of you. And Peter doesn't know yet that there's a fear he doesn't know that he has and he finds himself walking this Peter who walked on water this Peter who was ready to fight the guards see he was prepared to walk with Jesus he was ready to stand with him. He saw who he was. He was ready to take out anyone who tried to come against him. But the method that Jesus had in mind was different than what Peter had imagined. And when the environment around him shifted and when the landscape started changing, Peter wasn't quite as ready for that as he thought that he was. Are you ready for your character to stand even if the landscape around you changes? Because your character is not truly tested until your character is tested in different environments. I know that you know how to stand when things go the way you anticipated that they're going to go, Peter. But this isn't going to go how you think it's going to go. And so my question to you, Peter, is when the situation changes, are you still going to be able to stand? See, Peter envisioned a takeover where Jesus uh, announces that he is the king that has come. 
Peter envisioned a takeover where the Roman government is overthrown and the Jewish people rise into power where everyone sees in physical form that Jesus is the true king and he comes and he sits and he reigns as king over all of these people. Peter envisioned that there would be a great conflict and a great takeover and he had faith that believed that they would win in the end. But that was not the plan that Jesus had in mind. Jesus had in mind a plan where he would allow himself to be taken by the Roman guards. Jesus had in mind a plan where he would be publicly humiliated. Jesus had in mind a plan where he would hang on a cross in the most horrific death that was imaginable at the time. Jesus had a plan where he would go and he would be laid in a tomb And Jesus had a plan where he would rise again on the other side. But Peter didn't know all the details of this plan. All Peter knew was that the landscape was changing and that the method wasn't the method that he thought it was. And all of the sudden, his boldness and his confidence and his fearlessness starts to waver just a little bit. And on the inside of him, he's still contained on the outside, but there's a panic arising on the inside of him. He can feel his body getting a little bit flushed and he can feel his heart rate pounding as they walk Jesus off in chains. And as he follows him, From a distance, Peter is now trying to make sense of what he's seeing, and he's trying to say, well, maybe maybe we're just going to, I'm sure Jesus has a different plan. I'm sure at any moment he's going to turn this thing around. I'm sure he's going to rise up. I'm sure Peter too thought, I'm sure he'll call on the angels and the hosts of heaven. He's following now from a distance, wondering, Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus, what is happening right now? Because now by this point, his palms are getting moist and the backs of his ears are burning hot because none of this is the method that he had in mind. And though Peter is courageous and though Peter is full of boldness, on the inside of him, there is something that is not quite settled. And none of this is what he thought. He was walking himself into and Peter's panic and Peter's fear that he had no idea was there starts bubbling and starts rising to the surface until a servant girl, Peter just cut off the ear of a Roman guard and now he is intimidated in the span of a few hours by a servant girl around a fire who says to him, hey, don't you know him? And by this point, Peter has nothing left to hide his fear. He is ripped open in vulnerability and he denies Jesus and says, absolutely not. I don't know who that is. You must be mistaken. And a second person asks him, and by this point, it's all out on the edge. Peter's fear has taken itself into the driver's seat and is driving his direction and is driving his decisions and is driving his outputs because Peter is no longer the bold, courageous, confident Peter who's ready to walk with you anywhere, Jesus. Peter is the Peter who is fogged and is overcome by a fear that he didn't even know was there five hours ago. He is overcome and completely at the will and the whim of this fear that has taken over his life. And two more times, someone asks him, Peter, aren't you one of those guys who I've seen walking around with Jesus? And two more times, this leader of the new church says, I have no idea. You must have me mixed up with someone else because I cannot be counted among those who know him right now because his fear has overcome him. Fear has a way 
of sitting in the driver's seat real quick. When we think we're in control and we think we know what we're doing. And Peter falls to the power of what fear can do in our life. And fear tends to overcome us in the form of three things. The first of those is opinions. We worry about the opinion of someone else. We worry about what they're thinking and what they're going to say. We worry about what will someone else assume about me. If Peter were to say, yes, I am a follower of this man, he is concerned that the opinion of this servant girl is not going to be favorable towards him. What opinions are you allowing to take over the driver's seat in your life? The opinions of people in your life that you assume what they would think about you if they knew how big your dreams were. You assume what they would think about you and what they would say about you. If they find out that on Sundays you've been going around to church, you worry about what their opinion and their thought for you would be if they find out that you're the kind of person that likes to go home and be with your family and that you think that there is no greater thing in your life than investing your time into your family. And I wonder if the opinion of the boys you grew up with is going to stand as strong as you want it to if they know that that's who you truly are. We start to make assumptions about the opinions of people around us and we allow our fear of other people's opinions sit in the driver's seat of our life. And we worry about outcomes. What will happen if I tell them this? What will happen if I change this in my life? What will happen if I move in this direction? What will happen if I start stepping out? What will happen if I tell them the truth? What will happen if I really go out of it because we don't know the future and we don't know what's on the other side of it and we start to worry and fear about ourselves? Peter starts thinking about himself more than he's thinking about his commitment to Jesus. He starts thinking about himself and his own self-preservation more than he's thinking about the 12 other disciples. He starts thinking about himself and his own self-preservation more than he's thinking about the people that he's standing with because fear also has a way of making us make assumptions that rarely have a positive outcome. We start assuming Things that we think that we know, that we do not in fact know, that we have no factual basis for, that we have no evidence for, and we fill in that blank with a negative outcome. Peter's negative outcome is that this girl's opinion of me is going to be negative. Peter's negative outcome is that this, the outcome of this situation is going to be that they arrest me also. Peter's negative outcome is that my physical self is also going to be in harm and in danger if I speak this. And we don't know. What if Peter would have said that's right? We don't know what would have happened but maybe this servant girl has been fascinated with Jesus. Maybe this servant girl has also been following along in the crowds and she thought she saw a miracle from a distance and she was wondering, Peter, are you one of the people that follow him? Because I've been wanting to find someone who was close enough to him that I could ask him. I heard that he told somebody to grab his mat and to stand up and to walk away and that that actually happened. And I was wondering if there was a source close enough to him. Perhaps if Peter, we don't know. 
and we'll never know. But perhaps if Peter would have had the boldness and the confidence, what this girl was looking for was confirmation for all of the things that she had heard and all of the things that she believed that she may have seen and all of the stories about this Jesus that she's wondering while they're taking him down the road right now. But Peter allows his fear and his intimidation of this moment and of this situation to come into the driver's seat of his life. And instead of standing up with the boldness that he thought that he had he finds out that he has on the inside of him a fear that he did not know was there previously and that fear starts bubbling to the surface and in a fear of the opinion and in a fear of the outcome and in a fear for himself he retreats into a place that he didn't ever see before Peter is no longer Peter who steps out on the water and Peter is no longer Peter who steps up to answer every question and Peter is no longer Peter who says everywhere you go I'll go Peter is suddenly Peter who cannot stand up even enough to say yes I was with him because the chaos around him and the turmoil around him has so changed the landscape and the environment that's around him that he doesn't know that he has what he thought that he had on the inside of him what is the situation in your life where the chaos of the moment and the change in the environment and the landscape has changed so drastically and this isn't how you thought it was gonna be and this isn't the method that you thought this was gonna move through and none of this turned out the way that I thought it was and I used to be so bold and I used to be so confident and I used to say, Jesus, anywhere you'll take me. And Jesus, however you want to use me. And Jesus, whatever can be done through me. I was your one, Jesus. Me and you, wherever you go, I will follow. Take me. Send me in, Jesus. I'm your guy. But the chaos changed and the landscape moved. And all of a sudden, there's a fear that I didn't know was there before. And now... I'm afraid of losing it all, Jesus. And now I'm afraid of what they'll say about me, Jesus. And now I'm afraid that they're going to come for me, Jesus. And now I'm afraid that my promotion might be in jeopardy, Jesus. And now I'm afraid that I'll never accomplish all of the things that I have dreamed for myself. And instead of living lives with hands wide open that say any promotion that you give me is from you, God. And any demotion that I experience, I'm still in your will, God, and I'll walk where you have me and I'll be where you want me and you can say about me what they'll say about me and they can take me where they'll take me because all I want is to be found in you. Instead of all of that, we find ourselves like Peter huddled around a fire looking people in the eyes instead of looking Jesus in the eyes and denying who he is and at the end of it, Peter feels that the fear has overcome him. And Peter runs because fear always turns into shame. And shame always sends us retreating and hiding. And the next time we see Peter, Peter has run away. And he is out on his boat fishing again, which is where he was years ago when Jesus found him. 
there's a thing about fear and there's a thing about shame that never projects you forward into your future. They always drag you back into who you were before. They always try to take you back to the thing that you last knew but that no longer fits who you are for today. And Peter gets drugged back into who he used to be. But here's the interesting thing about it. Two things. One is Peter isn't on the boat alone. Because though Peter has lost his confidence and though Peter has uncovered a fear that he had no idea was on the inside of him, and though Peter has denied Jesus, Peter is still the leader of the pack, whether he wants to be or not. I am talking to you, leader. Do you understand the depth of the influence and the depth of the power and the depth of the authority that God has put on the inside of you and the level of the responsibility that that carries with you to live a life with your eyes fixed on Jesus? Because Peter goes back and other disciples come with him. They follow him back to the boat, not because they have denied him. We don't have much account of what happened with them in the days in between, but because he is their leader, and if that's where Peter's going, all they know to do is follow him because Peter has the draw of a leader on him. And when Peter says, I don't know what to do anymore except for to go back to my boat, they say, fine, then we'll go back to the boat with you, Peter, because the last instruction we got was to follow you. The last instruction we got was that you're the one who's in charge now. And when Jesus finds them, he finds them out at the boat, Peter and a handful of the other disciples, and he also finds them being absolutely terrible at fishing. They have been out all night long and have not caught a single thing, have caught nothing. Now, being out all night long is prime time to go fishing, and fishing overnight is what Peter is very familiar with. He has grown up in a fishing family, and he knows how to go fishing, and he knows what fishing is and what fishing does, but Peter finds himself back on the boat, and the thing that he used to know how to do no longer works for him because the thing that drove him there was fear and was shame. I don't know if you have ever tried to go back to something that God has called you out of and see if you still knew how to do that thing, but it's painful. It's painful to go back to something and say, I used to know how to do this. How come I can't make any of this work anymore? And it can be embarrassing as well. Some of you have tried to go like back to the club after God has called you out of it. And then you tried to go back into it, and you're like, I used to, I used to know what to do here. I used, to, I used to be cute here. I used to know how to move here. And everybody's like, this is awkward and embarrassing. Go sit down. This obviously does not fit for you anymore. This is Peter out on the boat. Like, I used to know how to throw these nets right. I used to know where all the best spots are. I used to, and I can just see the other fishermen like rowing in for the night. Like, Peter, this is awkward and embarrassing for you. You've been out all night long. And finally, the resurrected Jesus comes walking on the shore. And they don't know who it is yet, but he says to them, try one more time on the other side. And you can just see him. The guys have been out all 
night long. And they throw the line over. And when they throw it over and they pull it up this time, or the net's over rather, they throw over the net. And when they pull it up this time, they get a full net of fish. And they haul that thing in. But it says when they see all of the fish, they know this is Jesus. This is him. He's come back to us. And it says John is the one who recognizes him first. Or at least that's what John tells us. And then Peter, in true Peter form, is back. And it says he throws his robe back on and he jumps in the water and he runs all the way to shore and leaves everyone else to deal with the boat because he figures out that Jesus has come back. And there's this beautiful picture. Jesus has started a fire on the shore and he's brought bread for them and he tells them, grab a couple fish out of that net that you've just brought in. And they sit there and they share this beautiful meal together on the beach and they realize that Jesus has risen and that all of their hopes have not been dashed and that all of their hopes have not been lost. But there's still something on the inside of Peter. There's still a part of him that though his hope has been restored, there's still brokenness where he knows that fear got a hold of me, Jesus, where he knows Jesus saw him when he denied him. There's still that part of Peter that has to be wondering, next time I have to stand up and, and confess your name, next time I have to stand and look others in the eyes and say I'm a follower of Jesus, will I still or will fear come after me again? There's still something that you have to do. And the question is, is the unwritten fear, the under the surface fear of your life getting ready to take hold of you? Or do you have what it takes to stand against it? And Jesus knows what's going on, not on Peter's external. Because from the outside, it looks like Peter is who he has always been. It looks like good old, bold, confidence, ready for action. Peter is back. He just jumped out of the boat and ran up to the shore ahead of everyone in true form and in true Peter fashion. And sometimes to everyone else, it looks like everything. It looks like you've come through that season. It looks like you've dealt with that pain. It looks like you've been restored. It looks like you've come out of your divorce and you've stood again and you found a way to walk forward again. It looks like you've bounced back from being fired. It looks like that disappointment hasn't overcome you. It looks like you've figured out how to walk with your head held high again. And it looks like everything is back together. It looks like your confidence is back. And it looks like your faith is back. And it looks like you know how to walk again. And it looks like you have a hope again. And it looks like you have a vision again. And it looks like your eyes are focused on the future again, but the truth is to everyone else, that's who you look like. But when you sit before Jesus, Jesus has a way of looking past what's on the surface of who you are and looking right into the depths of your soul. And when Jesus looks into the depths of Peter's soul, he knows that his confidence is not what it once was. And he knows that there is shame that he carries. And he has the ability to look into Peter's future. And he knows that 
step for Peter to walk where he needs him to walk and for Peter to be who he's going to be for future generations and for the church that is yet to come that Peter has to be fully healed from this inner turmoil of his soul that he has to be fully restored from this fear that found itself in the driver's seat of his life Jesus knows that the thing that he walked through was designed to bring to the surface the fear that Peter never knew was even there. And in in John 21 now, John recounts the story. Starting in verse 15, it says, And when they had finished their breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all of these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus also said, Feed my lambs and then he said to him a second time he said to him a second time Simon son of John do you love me and he said back to him yes Lord you know that I love you and so he said to him then tend to my sheep one time for the servant girl and a second time for the man that asked him and one more a third time Jesus said to him a third time Simon son of John do you love me and by this point Peter is frustrated it says he's grieved because he had already said it to him do you love me he said to him and he said Lord you know that everything and you know that I love you and so Jesus said to him feed my sheep and he says to him do you love me and Peter says to him you know that I do so that he can mend the relationship because Peter thought that when he denied him and when he walked away from him and when fear overcame him he thought that his relationship had been broken and Jesus says the first thing I need to do is to restore to you the relationship and let you know that I see you and that I know that you love me and that I know that there's a new depth to your love for me and that you found something else but then the second thing that he says to him is then feed my sheep he's restoring to him the position the authority the purpose that he had always placed in Peter's life and he says to him I know that you love me our relationship is restored and he says to him I want you to also know your purpose hasn't been broken you didn't lose your purpose because you messed up you didn't break your purpose because you went off track you didn't derail your purpose because your fear overcame you in fact you are now ready to be who I've always called you to be because you walked through something that has formed you in a new way because you walked through something that will cause you to lead with more humility Peter because you've walked through something Peter that says to you I've been overcome by fear and I refuse to let it happen to me ever again because then he tells Peter you're gonna declare my message everywhere but there's a part of your life Peter that's not gonna be so glorious there's a part of your life Peter where people are gonna be shouting your name there's a part of your life Peter where all of the power and the authority and the position that I've given you isn't gonna be pedestals and beauty and now I know that you're ready for it Peter now I know that you know how to stand in it Peter now I know that you're ready for everything that I have planned and everything that I have purposed for you The message that God told me to tell you today is that your purpose hasn't been derailed because of what you didn't know was there. 
You walked through something that bowled something to the surface in you that you didn't know was there and that you never saw coming. And it has filled you with fear and it has filled you with shame and it has caused you to question the purpose of God in your life. You ask God, can I ever be who you said? Can you imagine Peter out on that boat going, I guess I don't get to lead the church anymore because I messed it up too bad. And Jesus takes the time to come down and make a meal on a beach. Say, Peter, come here. I need to talk to you about something. And he took the time to derail my week all week. This message has been the strangest message to dig out, to tell you the truth. Because he wanted you to know you didn't derail your purpose. What you went through formed you and prepared you and sifted out of you the thing that would hinder you in the place that he's going to take you. If you know that that's for you, just lift your hands where you are. Just lift your hands up. We're going to pray a prayer right now that everything that needs to be restored to you would be restored to you. That every purpose and plan that God has for your life is still coming into existence in your life. I declare over every person in this room, God, that they have been formed in your image that they have been formed in your likeness I speak over your life right now that fear will not overcome you I speak over your life right now that fear cannot have you I cast fear off of your life every fear of opinion is being uprooted from your life every fear of outcome is being uprooted from your life every fear of yourself and that feeling of self-preservation is being uprooted from your life and it is being replaced with a surrender to God a surrender to his will a surrender to his plan and to his purpose and his declaration over you is that your relationship with him is restored and that your purpose for your life is being restored that the enemy wanted to have you that he wanted to sift you but he couldn't have you and he couldn't take you that what the enemy meant for evil in your life God just used it to form you and to make you more of who he needs you to be that the leader in you is rising up in the mighty name of Jesus we declare that God have your way we declare that God's will be done in your life and we declare that every purpose and plan that he has is still yet to be seen God we thank you for it we bless your name we celebrate you each person each plan and each plan purpose in the mighty name of Jesus amen amen Amen, church.